just hand here. Don't touch this again. Stop that. Press it on. Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa al-aqibatu al-murtaqeen, wa la udwana illa ala al-zalimin, wa salawatullahi wa salamuhu ala ashraf al-anbiyai wa al-mursaleen, Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So folks, um, you know that um, obviously with the uh, 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 the situation in the masajid, so we've had to now move the classes out of the uh, masajid because of the gathering and just go fully online. Obviously this is a class which is online anyway. And I know there's a number of new students as well, um, and they'll be getting themselves used to the portal. Those folks who are online, if you can maybe give them a little bit of a hand um, and uh, just help folks, you know, navigate around the portal. Um, what I want to um, have a quick uh, uh, word about, um, I briefly just want to mention something about uh, the situation that uh, we've seen a lot of videos, really embarrassing, subhanAllah, about hoarding um, and panic buying. Panic buying is, is actually putting a real gloss on it. And and hoarding and um, these kind of practices where people are um, corrupt practice, practices, where people are buying uh, items which are in need for the general populace and... Uh, the numbers and the quantities and the manner in which they are bought is completely unacceptable. And actually, um, uh, I don't want to uh, talk about that which is the psychological uh, uh, illness because you've got compulsive hoarders, which is an actual condition. And some consider it to be part of OCD and you know they just want to have lots of stuff. But this is not that. This is not that. We're not talking about a medical condition here. We're talking about a human social condition of fear. That's the number one reason that people uh, do that. They have this kind of real anxiety um, about situations that they're placed in. And this is uh, not, not becoming of the believer, not becoming of the Muslim. And I don't want to be, you know, just lecturing every single moment on things to link to, do, to the coronavirus or COVID-19. But this is so shocking when you see pictures of Muslims fighting and you see, you know, uh, everybody's seen the same, you know, trolleys where people are completely destroying pallets and packing, you know, five years worth of rice. They think it's, yeah, and it's proud they're acting as if they're Yusuf, as if they're collecting seven years of grain for the state. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's, it's insane. And one video I, that I saw really upset me where there was a sister, she was just basically standing uh, by the side thinking, you know what, let me just let these elephants here and go and do their thing, right? Because it's just madness. And she's just waiting there. She goes, you know, you can see that she just wants her single packet of rice and that's it. What kind of insan this person is? He come and he will just, maybe 15, 10 kg packets of rice he pulls out. Okay. Oh, one after the one after the one after the other. And he wants to do it so quickly that he hasn't even got time to put it in this trolley. And he just dumps it on the floor. And the sister's like, not even sure, right? Is this like, you know, have you helped us to all take it out of the plastic or the pallet or what? She makes his, she, she reaches for one and the guy goes, mine. Wallahi, wallahi. And I, 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 and I was uh, uh, having a chat with uh, Sheikh Kehlan and uh, discussing about what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about uh, these folks. And in Surah Ma'arij, of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifically speaks about these people who are obsessed with this this fear it takes over them 
Allah says, and he gathers as much as he possibly can and he holds it. And he, he, he clings on to it and prevents other people from getting access to it. Um, in a way which is not normal. Now, let me just make it clear. Everybody is stressed. Everybody is unclear and worried about you know, what should we do? What, yeah, how do we respond? Uh, you know, are the, are the supermarkets going to run out? But the people that are responsible for our welfare, the government, the authorities and the supermarket bosses have all guaranteed food security. They've made it very, very clear that the uh, supply chain is fine, that the amounts are fine, but the, the numbers that are going out, and there's no doubt that some of them are profiteering as well. Some of them themselves are, and again, Muslims are, you know, don't uh, cover themselves in glory as usual. Uh, there's folks out there that are charging ridiculous prices, but even the supermarkets, they should have introduced restriction on numbers a long time before, uh, you know, the situation got to this. And, uh, you know, I just think that uh, the way that Muslims are acting, which is with this extreme fear, especially when they are required, and upon Allah, let the believers place their trust. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in, in Ma'arij, those people, uh, uh, those people who gather the, 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 you know, the things together, any kind of goods, and then they hoard it out of this panic. What does Allah follow up that, uh, that ayah with? Because mankind is created, yani, truly created anxious, yani, always worried, always stressed. is shiddat al someone who's so, so yani, uh, panicked. All the time, unnecessarily, always, yani, and and you know, when you think when you think about um, the action of the believer in the scenarios when thing is good and when thing is bad, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala describes this particular person: إذا مسه الشر جزوعة وإذا مسه الخير منوعة. So when misfortune strikes, yani, when the difficult moment comes. He's all over the place. His mind's all over the place. He's not in control. He's fretful. He's stressed. He's anxious. But when the good times uh, 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 come, he's tight-fisted. He wants mine. Like that guy. Mine. And that was his good moment. That was his good time because up until now he had no access. He thought it was all out. It was not you know, available anymore. And suddenly he comes across the pallet and it's full. So he goes, I hit the jackpot. You can see him. And he rushed to it. He's so happy. And then he's just grabbing it, grabbing it, grabbing it, grabbing it, grabbing it. So he fails on both, on, on, on both counts. On, on, in, in, both, in both scenarios, he is he's a fail. And in the situation where the shar came, he is jazu'a. He gets so stressed out. Instead of trusting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, uh, you know, relaxing and, and just trying to be as calm as possible and have sabr. And when the good moment comes, it's not like yani, he wants to share the good, he wants to keep it yani, to himself. And if you think about what the next ayah is in, in Al-Ma'arij, إِلَّا الْمُصَلِّينَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ عَلَى صَلَاتِهِمْ دَائِمُونَ وَالَّذِينَ فِي أَمْوَالِهِمْ حَقٌ مَعْلُومٌ The people who are not like this are those who are musalleen. Those people who pray and are constant in their prayer, and those people who give a due share of their wealth. Yani what they have, they make sure that they share with others. If they have a large amount, they share more. If they have a small amount, they share less. But they're always thinking about the right of others. 
للسائل والمحروم. Allah says, يعني, did they give that to the one who asks for it openly? Or the one who is, يعني, محروم? Those people who do not, um, who are very uh, uh, needy, but they don't have it in them to actually speak about it. They don't uh, or ask about it. They're embarrassed about it, shy. Like this, like this sister. You could see she was, you know, just waiting, waiting, hoping, يعني, that someone would recognize that she is, she was محروم. Then in the end, she became sa'il, meaning that she said, you know what? All right, let me actually now make a, 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 an attempt to take one. And subhanAllah, bam, mine. Subhanallah. Yani, uh, so what, what that proves is that the people who do this behavior, yani, uh, gather in this manner, they therefore cannot be people who are upon their salah da'imun. And they are not people who give the right share of their wealth. And so and Allah so therefore will punish them. And these people will be probably giving sadaqah and zakat. And they will be people who will be act- actively praying. But now you saw the value of their prayer, fake prayer, and a fake wealth. Wealth, yani, for the sake of others, giving uh, charity for the sake of others, not for the sake of purification. Praying, not for the sake of Allah, but just to go through habit. It's not changing anything in them. So this is something deep. Yani, I want you to know that when you're seeing this action, by people, it's not just oh, sad. It's a deep endemic, yani infection of the heart. It really is. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, in terms of uh, uh, the punishment for these folks and the humiliation that will come, what what does he, what does he say? Does everyone, does every one of these folks expect to enter a garden of bliss? No, we created them from a substance that they themselves know. They know where they come from. They know the, who their rights are to, to Allah and to the rest of creation. And yet they act in this way. And, uh, you know, uh, and just, I just want to just uh, uh, end with, I mean, I'm, I'm jumping ayat here, but just, فَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِرَبِّ الْمَشَارِكِ وَالْمَغَارِبِ and I swear, Allah says, by the Lord of every sunrise and sunset, we have the power to substitute for them others better than they are. Nothing can prevent us from doing this. Yani, if you think that this is the actions of the people who are now trying to deal with this challenge of the virus, they are f- failing so miserably. And it's so clear that these trials and challenges come as a punishment for our state. And if we're not able to react in a proper way, then this, this is exactly what the, the, the virus is here to do. Be away with us and another people then are substituted in our place. Allah just said that. We have the power to substitute for them others better than they are. And that's something that no one can prevent us from doing. So listen, so I just want to say, a reminder to myself and everybody else, listen, you're going to go there, you're going to go to a shop and you've been a couple of times and you're going to panic and you're going to say, you know what, I need to get at least uh, some extra. I need to get three months extra. Uh, you're going to start just defending I have a large family. No, I say to you, fear Allah, share out what you can see. And it's good now that the supermarkets are restricting so that you can then, you know, as, as we said before, if Allah's yani, fatwa doesn't work or the fatwa from Allah's deen doesn't work, then a fine and the law will always yani, get people back into shape. Like people wanting to go out to, you know, um, masjids when they're 70, 80 years old. Suddenly, yani, the talk of fines comes into the game. Everybody is, mashallah, practicing again. So, you know, likewise, this hoarding situation has to have the law to embarrass them. But yani, Muslims don't need that. Muslims should just focus on Quran and the Sunnah and see what it says. So, I just want to remind it to myself and, and everybody that 
I know that it's difficult and stressful out there. I know people are worried, but you do not need to be. We do not live in a war zone. We do not live in a place where there's absolutely nothing. And even if we were, it does not justify taking the haq of other people. Yeah? It does not justify the people who are upon this deen have a haqqun ma'lum lisa'il mahrum. That they have a very clear defined right. Anyway, uh, wallahu ta'ala a'lam. I just wanted to um, uh, say that um, for... I just wanted to basically just mention that. Now, uh, for the folks who are part of Dars, what we're going to do today. Right, so today we are covering, Shaz, where's the, uh, the text? You know, I need to bring up the thing. So for the folks who are there first time, all right, for the folks who are first time, if you're first timer, then say hello on the portal. I want to see... You know, it's a disaster. There used to be a there used to be a, uh, 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 there used to be a time mm-hmm. where when you put logical progression into uh, mm. into uh, Google, yeah, it used to come up with the thingy. Our our class number one, and you know what? Mm. Now it's gone back to uh, LTJ Bookham and his album. Yeah, he's overtaken. He's uh, he's, uh, he's he's overtaken us. It's a flipping disaster, man. Yeah, Shazad Amin, Dr. Shazad Amin is, is speaking about that. Correct. Let's make it very clear, you know, because some people might say, no, that's a psychological illness or some make some kind of lame excuse. It's not psychological, psychological illness at all. You know what I mean? Some people might try to blag that. OCD type of hoarding, compulsive hoarding. You know what I mean? But anyway, we have lots of people. We have Hawa, we have Salma, mashallah. We have Mohsin, mashallah. Lots of people. And... Uh, well, like excellent to be honest. Look, first time first yeah, time first time LP, yeah, right? oh, you know what I mean. Disaster always brings the new defect. Astaghfirullah, what are you hating hey. for? They've got nothing better to do now. What are you hating for, man? Oh, Come on, no. we've got Nihad yeah, here, we've got all folks. Yeah, you got eight, you got you got eight years to catch up. Eight years to catch up, guys. Can you hear me clearly, first of all? Um, because no, because that one was on a different microphone, and this one's on a different microphone, isn't it? Because the microphone's a bit lower, T- tell us whether you can um, you can hear fine or not, absolutely clear or not. I see, mashallah. Look at that, Hussein Suleiman. What did I tell you, man? I knew that. The, and if you know what it is, virus has that effect upon the believers. Mashallah, it's a blessing. I'm telling you now, we're going to come out on the other side better. I'm telling you, people don't believe me on that. They think it's a big disaster, whatever. Sorry, it takes a few people. You know what I mean? Zafar, what kind of doctor are you? Right. So. Uh, what is our, uh, uh, we are obviously eight years in, three and a half volumes of Mumtia for those who are starting first time. Quick, yani one minute a summary. Uh, we, this is a class where we basically take a classical fiqh text, okay, a classical text which we use um, as a structure uh, that fiqh is basically Islamic jurisprudence, all the halals, the harams, the do's, the don't do's of every aspect of Islam. And we use that as a structure which we uh, build on top of. So every time that we come and we speak about, you know, purification or water or tayammum or ghusl or thingy, then we'll add all our own stuff as well. It's based upon the Hanbali school and we like to give the Hanbali opinion because that's the text, it's a Hanbali uh, position. However, I myself am not a Hanbali or restricted to my restricted to the madhab and I like to share ideas and get the students to think for themselves and give them the freedom to be able to follow the opinions that they want to themselves. So I want to encourage that. 
Okay, I want to encourage that. And um, I want people here to be relaxed. So you can ask questions during and then at the end as well online. So I can see everybody that's uh, that's on. MashaAllah, Mina, Mina is back and Zareed is here. And Danielle likes my topi, that's good. And Aqil Ziani from Rochdale. And Aisha, MashaAllah. And Imtiaz, Yani Haji Sati is good. We've got returning students, sick. Ghassan from Sweden, MashaAllah. And then we have Marianne, sick name. Irfan, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, Irfan Ashraf is online. I think maybe first time in his life. Mm. He became proper student now, instead of just sitting there. Mm. What are you laughing for? Like, have you ever been online in a class before ever? Have you ever actually seen a proper notes section? Mm. <laughs> you see this one? Once. Once. this Dr. Abid, I'm telling you. Right, so today, um, what we're going to be speaking about are the pillars of the prayer. And the pillar that we've come to is the Al-Fatiha. We said the Arkanuha, Qiyam, and Tahrima, and Al-Fatiha. Right? So, so far, we're on the third. The first one of the pillars, the essentials, the key fundamentals of the actual prayer itself. An act which, and it's going to come later, how to legally and define it, but it's an act which is so fundamental to the prayer that without it, there is no prayer. It can't be substituted, it can't be made up for, unlike an obligation. Obligations are going to be coming soon as well. Wajibat of the prayer. So this is the primary category. There are certain actions in the entire prayer which are so essential. If they're not there, then you just wasted your time, even if you miss one. And a classic example is Al-Fatiha in one of the raka'at, in Dhuhr, for example. Or one sajda, for example, in the third raka'at of Dhuhr, and then you finish the prayer and you realize afterwards that you missed out one uh, sajda or Fatiha or a little thing here and there. If it's a rukan, if it's a pillar, then the whole prayer is um, invalidated and has to be made up later. Uh, or made up again, sorry. So uh, we said the first one is to stand, to be standing. The second one we said is to uh, say the statement, Allahu Akbar, okay? Just to be as a bare minimum, Allahu Akbar. And the third is the Fatiha. And we are now, and we spent a lot of time on Surah Al-Fatiha already because actually we've covered a lot of these the things already earlier. So those who are new, you'll find a whole load of videos for those who like to catch up on videos. And then you've got the, the transcription team who have been doing a great job with the, um, with the uh, transcribed notes. So full detailed notes. Uh, and then we've got the podcast as well. By the way, uh, everybody that's online, very important. Shazad is about to post something, okay? And I'm doing this now because I know I'll forget at the end. Uh, obviously, there's a number of uh, challenges now to the Muslim community, just like the wider community, but then the Muslim community is our main priority with respect to the coronavirus. And I know uh, uh, some of you are not affected, but many of us are all going to be affected with the re reduction in income and yeah, uncertain times. And of course, we put our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our patience will get us through. But those that have full-time positions, those who, uh, who have got some protection from their uh, workplace or their employer, then I'm making an appeal. Uh, there are a number of these initiatives going up. We opened one up uh, uh, last night and it's going to be a Corona appeal to help Muslims that are struggling with their shopping, who are in isolation, those who are, have underlying health conditions and can't get out, those who are single parents and those who have lost their job, those who have got reduced hours, those who are dependent upon SSP, simple, single, uh, 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 statutory sick pay, etc., etc. So cash grants, etc. And so what we're planning is a four-month temporary standing order drive. And that basically means that you would sign up to donate 
whatever you possibly can every week or every month uh, for four months. And we're going to use the PG charity account, the one that uh, has helped support all of this. But it needs to be ring-fenced. And Shazad, have you posted it, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Shazad has posted the donation uh, details. If you're in the UK, then you've got all the full details there. And you use that account, use that sort code, set up a standing order from your bank account for four months. Many of us can afford it. So please, uh, everybody do I'll that. Make sure they put the reference on. And the, the, it's really important that when you set up the reference, uh, when you set up the standing order for the reference, you put Corona so that the money is ring-fenced. And we're going to start tomorrow in distribution. So already in Manchester, we've identified a number of people who have been requesting and also have, uh, it's been, it's clear that they're struggling. So the, the distribution is going to start. Um, I'll be taking personal responsibility in the overall sense and then Shaz and Abu Dhar and the boys will be managing it yani from a, a, a thingy point of view those who uh, uh, there's a charity number there as well so if you want to claim tax back you, if you have a company or something like that then it's registered charity so you can do that as well and if you once if you uh, put Abu, Abu Dhar's email there uh, put Abu Dhar's uh, email uh, abudhar.tahir at gmail.com Okay, put um, that email in because if you want a receipt for your tax, then he will then send it to you directly. Um, he will send it to you directly, yeah. Uh, uh, is there zakat? Huh? Zakat. Yeah, zakat can be paid. Although I have to say, in fact, this is as pure and proper as zakat as it comes. Why? These are people who I need straightforward yani for actual products and, and immediate cash so it's like desperate need and number two it's local it's local people and number three is being given over by hand you know i don't trust the charities you know i'm not a big fan of that whole scene and all this sound reliefs and all this bloody blahs and the mess that you all know i'm not a big fan of these charities and how they work and their systems they don't have that the the, the systems in place to really give sharia cons consideration priority so uh, it's being given over directly by hand as well without any cost being taken. It's as pure as it gets. So if you want to give zakat, fine. But I have to tell you that the small group of people that have started to donate, I did tell them that I prefer them not to give their zakat. Keep yani, their zakat yani, uh, boxed up for what they're about to use and try to give more. However, if people don't have that excess wealth and want to give zakat or zakat is due at this time, then you can give it as well. I've spent too much time on this. All the details are online. If you're an international donor and want to give something as a one-off or a standing order, then PayPal details are there. But everyone in the UK can just use those bank account details and just make sure you put the, the reference Corona and all of that money will go to people who are needy. I know there's other uh, efforts as well, but at least this is one where 100% of your money is going to 100% directly to the people. At least we're taking responsibility for that. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. May Allah accept it. Huh? No, no, no. Go for, the, reason we haven't, the reason we're not doing one-click GoFundMes and all that behavior is because they take like stupid money, 5%, 3%, whatever. Mm. Uh, no, no. And uh, you lose money. No, no. Uh, spend two minutes you've got the full details there go online to your bank and set up a standing order that means none of your money is wasted we don't waste any money we don't charge any money you don't nothing there's no no, no system takes it it's full 100 percent donation straight into the account then yeah, yeah, yeah. none of that uh, thingy you only use that if you're desperate you know that kind of system where you know that people are not enthused enough to to, to the pay they just want a one click easy thing no Put some effort in. Put some effort in. This is, Yanni, you know, the way we get our money back. You have lots of time to do anyway. Huh? You have lots of time to do Exactly. It's not like you're doing anything else. <laughs> what are you going to do? Self-isolating in front of your computer, flip and put the details in, bro. You know what I mean? What was the word you said? 
Yes. Who's working? Who's working? From home, on your computer. You. What? Shut kind up, of what? Man. What kind of? I don't know what kind of doctor you are. I tell you right now. There's Boris Johnson, yani, crying out, yani, telling you that your kids don't need to go to school. Your kids will go to school, and we're gonna cover you this, that, whatever. And you're sitting at home, yani, I'm self isolating. <laughs> Skype call, video calls. Skype call, video calls. Yeah, that's a good doctor. Doctor, you're a good doctor, isn't it? Seriously, door number one. Coconut. Coconut. That's it, exactly. China Kamal. That's the problem. Right. Anyway. Um, so what I want to uh, discuss today... Um, just the distribution yep. across the UK, no, it's for local... Market. No, no, and we are not going to be uh, taking responsibility for a UK, US, uh, London, this, that, no... We're hoping, and um, maybe in one next one, two days, after it gets running, I'm going to send details for other people on, on social media to set their own little things up themselves, okay, using local accounts and spreading it out. I want people to get involved and realize what it's like to collect money and then go and buy things for people. This is how the Sunnah of giving zakat out used to be. We've got a real opportunity now to do it in the UK. This so this is only for Manchester. Manchester yeah. yeah, it's only going to be for Manchester. We're only taking uh, uh, responsibility for Manchester. Uh, every other country will have its own need. I'm sure there's enough in the pot for you to put the money for abroad as well. But your local Muslims are your priority, especially in Ahkam Zakat, which we will get to in exactly 22 years, inshallah. It's taken eight years to get to Salah. We'll get there to Zakat as well. Right. So, uh, where we were, okay, in this debate about Surah Al Fatiha is that Shaykh Al Uthameen, alayhi rahmatullah, Okay, in uh, Al-Mumti' And folks, uh, we like to use this book Sharh Al-Mumti' Okay, which is the commentary to this uh, this text uh, You know, if you're at the student of knowledge level Then this will be in interesting for you The book is called Zad Al-Mustaqni' the, the little text The Fiqh Primer And Sharh Al-Mumti' is the commentary to that And I give a commentary to the commentary Yeah, because it's all in Arabic And I explain some of this What is relevant and what's not relevant But for the other people who don't follow madhabs And don't know too much Just we're here to just, you know Relax and learn a bit of deen Then you will just take uh, You just focus on what I'm saying And you'll be fine So um, What I wanted to talk about is To deconstruct this idea um, About uh, Sheikh Uthameen is basically Presenting the Hanbali Madhab Which is also the Shafi'i Madhab Which is that Surah Al-Fatiha Is not just a pillar But it is so essential That it must be recited By every single person in every single raka'ah, regardless of the prayer. And this means that the imam obviously needs to recite it if they're leading the prayer. But it also means, and obviously means the one who's praying alone, that they're going to recite it. But the real issue of dispute is going to be the one who is leading, uh, who is being led in the prayer, the ma'moom. Okay? So if you are in a congregation, and of course that's a big thing right now, a lot of people are learning for the first time how to pray a congregation, right? So I think we should revise that as well, even though this is not the section. But now that people are not going to the masajid because of the safety concerns. Um, and I do believe that the masajid should remain open with a skeleton kind of, you know, for desperate people. Because some people will need to, you know, go there and get a bit of, a bit of support. Okay, but um, the, 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 the truth is, is that we can't have the masses going there. And it's good that they've, uh, you know, made that clear. But now people should establish jama'at at home, congregations at home. And in my and there's a scholarly difference here, and whether it require a three or four or two, and I am of the opinion that two is enough. And when I say two, uh, there's a discussion among the scholars: is it acceptable to have a woman, meaning one's wife or one's daughter or one's mother, would that count as the second 
of two. There's some debate over that. I'm comfortable with that idea as well. Where the scholars are not happy is if it's you and a pre-pubescent child as a second. So really they want a post-pubescent child. We'll come to this in a lot more detail. But basically your child should be above puberty. And if there's you and that, uh, you and that child above puberty, that's a valid congregation. Or you and your wife as a valid congregation. If it's you and your son, then you, a male, as a male, if it's you and your son, then the son will stand next to you and um, you'll pray next to each other like this, imam on the left, guy on the right. And if it's your daughter or your wife or your mother, then it is to be, then she is to pray behind you, directly behind you. So imam in front and the lady at the back. And if it's a woman who is praying congregation with her daughter, then she will, the, the two women will stand side by side. Um, so obviously we need to revive that. We need to revive that in the houses. And let's just, uh, anyway, I don't want to get too much into that. The iqama is a, a very emphasized sunnah. So someone should give the iqama, the one who's able to say it. Ideally, it's better that the imam doesn't say it. But if the imam is the only one who can say it properly, then let the imam then give that, um, uh, give that uh, iqama. Now, yeah, that no, there's no Juma at home, folks. Yeah, that's important, right? Okay, that um, uh, during this time that we can't go to the masajid, there is no such thing as a Juma at home. Now, uh, there is some scholarly discussion about um, whether it's allowed to pray the uh, Juma in workplaces and whatever, whatnot. In my opinion, the answer is no, it shouldn't be done. It's self defeating. There is uh, self-defeating legally at the moment because it's a gathering and you're just gathering there as opposed to gathering to the mosque I mean we shouldn't be gathering anyway and also I'm a believer that a person uh, needs to understand the spirit of Jum'ah the spirit of Jum'ah is the congregation the congregation meaning the community the community meaning they're coming together and leaving off their work it's a bit self-defeating where people are trying to include the work within the kind of plan and it's not really the congregation of your local community and 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 yeah, and yeah I'm not saying it's an invalid prayer but I do not believe, and there's scholars divided on this issue as well. So I don't think that anyone should be praying Jum'ah outside. I believe they should pray Dhuhr, and at home they should pray Dhuhr. I believe the Jum'ah is, although I'm not saying that it's an absolute condition that the masjid has to be present for a Jum'ah, but, but if it's not in the masjid, then the masjid needs to all be praying outside of the masjid, in a hall or, or whatever. But these places in work and so on and so forth, I do not think that that's uh, correct. Now, there is a lot more detail to that, but that's not the time because there's a big section coming on that later. Um, now, the... Yeah. Uh, what else do we want to say about, uh, about the congregation? Yeah. Um... Yeah, so uh, if your husband is praying with the wife and yeah, should they give iqama or not, okay, who should give the iqama, then uh, in principle, in principle, everything that when it comes to recitation of salah and adhkar in a act, in yani a congregational act, is done by the men, okay, in principle. But uh, it's allowed for the woman to give the iqama, okay, if it's mahram in that scenario, it's allowed. But in but the uh, that's my opinion. The scholars that some of the scholars said that there's no even such thing as an iqama for the lady because there's no asl congregation. This is we're going into a deep area because uh, and it's not it's not going to be here for another one month or two. So I don't want to get into that. But you know um, some of the scholars didn't consider 
the reason for this is because we don't have any evidence from the Prophet ﷺ that specifically focuses on women in congregation. Actually, the entirety of what we understand about women's congregation, adhan, iqama, etc., is from the female companions, not from the Prophet ﷺ. So you, whenever it comes down level, one level, in terms of an evidence base, you're always going to start to find differences amongst the, the scholars. Anyway, um, so the man should maintain the safety safe position. The man should be the one who gives the uh, iqama. And of course, it's sunnah to give the adhan as well, but not a condition. The iqama is more important. But if you can do the adhan, I think it's important that in these times where one key right of Islam has been taken, that we replace it. Yeah, and it was things which also preserve the identity. So Mesa asked about the validity of a congregation prayer where they're standing you know, five, six feet apart. Yeah, that's fine. So just as an advice for people praying at home who maybe one person is infected, and wants to pray with a jama'ah. Right, good. Yeah, so even if you do end up in a masjid that's giving a skeleton service or if you are in your home, okay, then it's good to pray in a congregation and reduce the con and reduce the excellence of that prayer. You see, when it comes to the prayer line, the straightness and the compactness and the closing of the gaps is an obligation in of itself. Some scholars say it's a sunnah. But even if you say it's a sunnah or obligation, which is to do actually with sin or not sinning in terms of how you stand, it is not a condition of the prayer itself, meaning a person can possibly do a wrong act in terms of how they stand, but the prayer itself is valid. So a person can pray in a jama'ah with these gaps that you're seeing and gaps between front and back and gaps you know, to, min to minimize uh, prox close proximity. And that's allowed yani, in the jama'ah, in a congregation and in home as well. A couple of steps apart, one or two meters apart, I think that's yani, better to preserve the jama'ah than not praying the jama'ah at all. And um, I don't think this is sinful here because this is being done for a reason. The sin in not and in leaving gaps for the Prophet ﷺ said that yani, you will close the gaps or shaitan will create any yani, dissensions between your hearts. This is a promise of a punishment which therefore makes it haram to not close the gaps. That's the evidence for why it's obligatory. That's when you are uh, 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 implicit in its cause. But if you are not implicit because this is being done for public health, uh, safety, then it is not sinful. It's a whole different category of uh, act of ibadah. Alright, so... Listen, let's quickly look at what the, uh, the Hanbali said. The Hanbali said there is no prayer uh, 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 unless with the recitation of the opening of the book. And they said this is such a clear hadith without absolutely any uh, discussion or any uh, debate whatsoever that establishes the absolute obligation of every single prayer containing the Fatiha. So some people would say, okay, well, the Imam's reciting it, so that's enough for me. I don't need to recite. But then they've got this hadith, the Hanabila, where the Prophet ﷺ was reciting uh, Salatul, uh, in some narrations, praying Salatul Fajr in the hadith of Ubadah ibn Samit, radiallahu anhu, and he was reciting out loud, obviously, which is what you do in Salatul Fajr, and he got a bit yani, mixed up in the recitation, and when he finished, he turned around and he looked at the people, he said, yani, um, are you actually reciting whilst I'm reciting out loud? Yani, I'm reciting and you're reciting, and some of them said, yes, Ya Rasulullah, that's what we're doing. So the Prophet ﷺ then said, uh, you know, I was saying to myself, who's trying to yani, have a competition with me in the Quran? Who's trying to, yani, you know, uh, compete with me in the Quran? Don't write, don't recite anything from the Quran when I am uh, uh, when I am reciting out loud. 
illa bi umil Quran, unless it's the mother of the book, which is of course Surah Al-Fatiha. This hadith is narrated by Imam Ahmed, uh, as we mentioned last week, and it's a very, very strong hadith. So their position is incredibly strong, incredibly strong. So much so, as I said, that the Hanbalis and the Shafi'is, and there's some difference of opinion amongst the Hanbali Mafhab, let me make it clear, because you often, we said before, Imam Ahmed often has two statements, three statements on a position, but this is the position, the, the well-known position of the Hanbali school. The Shafi'i school is the strictest and the biggest on this, of course. Make it an absolute obligation. Whatever kind of prayer you are in behind the Imam, you must recite the Fatiha, whatever uh, uh, happens, whatever happens. Uh, uh, you know, we said that the other side might say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا قُرِئَ الْقُرْآنُ فَاسْتَمِعُوا لَهُ وَأَنصِتُوا لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ And when the Qur'an is recited, then listen to it and be silent so that you may receive mercy. They said, this is what Allah said, so therefore you should listen to the, uh, you should listen to the uh, Qur'an in a salah. Imam Ahmed said about this ayah that this is referring to the salah. So basically the ayah is saying that when the Qur'an is recited in the prayer, in brackets, okay, then you should listen to it very carefully. So the, the, the Hanafis and the Malikis, they said to the Hanbalis, they said, look, this is yani, a proof that you can't be reciting when the Imam is reciting, right? We discussed this last week. And uh, the Hanabila and the Shafi'is, they said, no, this is referring to the other parts of the Quran when the Imam is reciting, not the Fatiha. So when you're reciting Fatiha, it's, uh, uh, you, you do need to uh, 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 recite the Fatiha, but when the rest of the Qur'an is then being uh, said, then you should uh, listen to it carefully. But there's no exception for the Fatiha. That must be said at any moment that you can. Now, um, I want to um, develop this argument. I want to uh, develop... And, and I, I, I also said that there are some exceptions to this. The, the two exceptions are if a person comes late to the prayer and joins the Imam in Ruqwa, then he doesn't need to recite Fatiha because he's already caught the Ruqwa, and I gave the evidence for that last week. Or if a person comes just before the Imam goes to Ruqwa and just about starts the Fatiha and then gets cut out because the Imam goes to Ruqwa, these are the two scenarios where you don't need to recite Fatiha. All the scholars are happy. And, uh, in general, all the scholars are okay with that. Um, so the Hanbalis and the Shafi'is, these guys, they want to obligate it, and that's their well-known position. And of the modern scholars, Sheikh Uthameen, very big on that and Sheikh bin Baz, and a lot of the modern-day scholars as well. And it's a really strong position. And it's a position of Bukhari, and it's a position of a lot of Ahl Hadith, and it's a position of, goodness, uh, uh, if we look at some of the uh, Imams uh, from the, from the uh, uh, Sahaba, we have Ali radiyallahu an, Mu'adh ibn Jabr radiyallahu an, Abdullah ibn Abbas, Anas bin Malik, Jabir ibn Abdullah, Abu Huraira, Aisha radiyallahu anha, what we understand is that this is their position as well, that it needs to be recited out loud in every prayer, although some of their statements can be understood in, in two ways. What about the others? And what's our position and what's my position and so on? First of all, the Hanafis, they have a unique position. Um, the Hanafis are the other extreme. Okay, if we extreme, I mean just you know on the other side. So they say that actually there is no recitation. First of all, I said last week that uh, they, don't, they don't even consider the Fatiha to be a Rukan. They consider it to be a wajib, an obligation in the prayer. They consider the Rukan to be Quran. Anything that's recited from the Quran in the prayer means it's a valid prayer. You are obligated to recite the Fatiha, but it's not a Rukan. Meaning, what does that mean? I'm going ahead a bit in a couple of months, yeah, but just to the chapter of Sajzahu. But imagine that you recited, if you're a Hanafi, and, and there's even difference of opinion in the Hanafi school as well, by the way. Okay, especially Imam Muhammad, who's a student of Abu Hanifa. But yani, in principle, the Hanafi school is very yani, comfortable with the opinion that if a person 
forgot Surah Al-Fatiha in the Salah, then and they got to the end, they just do Sajda Sahu, and that's it. They get up and move on. So imagine, they would not need to recite Surah Al-Fatiha, just recite Surah if they did. And as long as the Surah was recited, something from the Quran was recited, the prayer is valid. Whereas in all of the other madhahib, the Fatiha has to be there. And if you miss it, then you have to go back to that raka'ah and do it again. And in fact, if you come back to it later, then your whole prayer has got to be done again, etc. So it's a fundamental difference in, uh, in approach. And we'll speak about that in the wajibat uh, uh, later. Now, the, so the Hanafis already at a start point, they're different. They're saying that you don't need to recite the Fatiha as an absolute essential. You're obligated to recite it, but it's not an essential. Okay, it's not a rukan. It's not a fundamental. What did they... Uh, say in the congregational prayer they said that you don't recite behind the imam neither in the loud prayer and neither in the quiet prayer neither in the loud prayer and neither in the quiet prayer and there's a couple of reasons for this the first evidence for them is the hadith of the prophet ﷺ where he said uh, or was said to have said man kana lahu imam fa inna al imam lahu qira'a very famous hadith which um, the Hanafi scholars considered to be authentic and people like Sheikh Al-Albani himself considered to be authentic but uh, what's the translation? whoever pr- prays behind an imam then the imam's recitation is sufficient for his whoever prays behind an imam then the imam's recitation is sufficient for that person this hadith narrated by, Mam- by, by Ibn Majah hadith number 850 and it was considered Hassan by Sheikh Al-Albani but a number of the muhaddithin considered this hadith to be uh, weak um, I've always liked this hadith in its general principle, but I am in my own self pretty sure that this hadith is not uh, authentic. Ibn Taymiyyah, he said that this hadith is, uh, has been narrated both Mursal and Musnad, meaning it's connected to the Prophet and with the companion missing as well. Um, and that the majority of the narrators that narrated this hadith narrated it in its weak Mursal fashion. Um, so, uh, uh, but, but there are some scholars that said it doesn't matter if there's a Mursal version, which is um, the, when, the, when there's a gap, when the, uh, uh, when the companion uh, is, is uh, uh, missing, okay? But we will have to make sure that, that a person who, um, uh, 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 a person who uh, can find a Musnad narration, Musnad meaning that the Senate is completely and connected to the Prophet then once that is there, then you're fine, if that's authentic. So the scholars differed over the authenticity of this hadith. What's the basic meaning? That if the Imam recites for you, even though you can't hear him, then the recitation is done for you. You might say, how did they uh, 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 deal with the uh, other aspect, which is, in the in the in the uh, loud prayer, um, sorry, in the quiet prayer, yani uh, any other evidence? What about these other hadith? They basically said these hadith are not as strong as ours. We have the other hadith, uh, the uh, uh, hadith of the one who erred in the prayer. So the, uh, in that hadith, the Prophet sallam said, yani when the Imam says Allah Akbar, then you say Allah Akbar, and then when he recites, then you be quiet, then you be silent, right? And so this hadith actually is a hadith which is used by the Hanafis, used by Imam Malik, something which I'm very fond of, and also Sheikh Lalbani himself from the modern day contemporary scholars, okay, was a big fan of as well. And he built his whole case actually uh, around this hadith. And I'm going to uh, give you some bit more detail in that. Let's just yani, get back to what Sheikh uh, 
Um, uh, let's actually let's go back to what Sheikh Uthameen is basically going through. Actually, no. Let me let, let me summarize the point. Then we'll go through what Sheikh Uthameen is saying. So Imam Malik, right, has a middle kind of position. Abu Hanifa and his madhab, they're saying you don't need to recite the Fatiha, neither in the loud prayer, neither in the quiet prayer. And Imam Malik, his position is, well, hold on. The Prophet ﷺ, he was someone who, um, and I wanted to read a hadith to you. I wanted to read a hadith. The hadith is the hadith of Abu Huraira, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And this hadith is sahih. This hadith is sahih. And the Prophet Sallallahu um, again, in a similar situation, and he found people that were reciting behind him and disturbing him, and the Prophet Sallallahu then said, don't do that. Do not recite yani, above me. And then what happens? So uh, in the hadith it says, فَانْتَهَى يعني, So then the companions, they basically stopped reciting behind the Prophet Sallallahu in the loud prayers. This hadith is sahih. Now, what does, uh, uh, what do the scholars of the, so what did Shaykh al-Albani do and the, the Malikiya school, this is narrated by Malik by the way, this hadith, and it's uh, super authentic. The Prophet Sallallahu here, in saying that, in not mentioning except the Fatiha, basically they said this is an abrogator for the previous hadith. So the previous hadith, which is also authentic, was obligating the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha. And then towards the end of his life, this hadith indicates, with the absence of Surah Al-Fatiha being mentioned, that this is the abrogator. And this was also the position of Ibn Taymiyyah. This is also the position, يعني, according to some narrations of Ibn Qayyim as well. This is the position of Imam Malik as well. And so according to this then, this is one way of combining between the evidences. What did the Hanabila and the Shafi'i say? They said that no, what this hadith, uh, uh, if you look at it, this statement is not from uh, Abu Hurairah. Then they stopped reciting. This is not from Abu Hurairah. And actually, I'll tell you something, right? I was, uh, where was I? I, uh, I want to actually read something to you. Okay, have a look at this. Let me read this uh, hadith. So. Yeah. Look at this uh, uh, hadith. So the, the Prophet ﷺ was reciting in Salatul Fajr and the, the recitation yani, became yani, kind of difficult upon him. He, he was kind of, you know, a bit confused, a bit mixed up. So when he finished the prayer, he said, yani, Maybe you are reciting behind your Imam. Maybe you lot are reciting behind your uh, Imam. And the companion said, uh, Naam, hadhan. Yeah, we did, but reciting kind of quickly. We weren't, yani, you know, holding anybody up. Yeah, uh, ya Rasulullah, this is what we did. And the Prophet Sallallahu said, La taf'alu illa an yaqra ahadukum bifatihati al-kitab fa'innahu la salat liman lam yaqra biha. So that is the, another version of the Hanbalis and Shafi'is hadith. Don't do that. Except if it's the Fatihatul if the Fatihatul Kitab, because there's no prayer without it. So this hadith is it's support for them. Hadith is which is in Bukhari, Abu Dawud, Ahmed, and it's yani very very. Uh, sorry, it's not by Bukhari in uh, in Sahih Bukhari. It is in one of the books that Bukhari wrote, which is called the Juz of this issue. But Abu Dawud and Ahmed, and it was considered to be Hassan. But then, 
okay, the Prophet وسلم, uh, was uh, praying Salatul Subh and he asked, he turned around, he, he asked the question, Did one of you just you know, recite out loud in this prayer just behind me as I was reciting? And one man said, Naam, ana ya Rasulullah. It was me. So the Prophet said, Inni aqul mali unazir. Yani, I, I was saying to myself, yani, uh, what is wrong with me that someone is trying to rest, wrestle the Quran away from me? Yani, trying to take the Quran away from me, mix my Quran up. Yani, I was thinking to myself, what's going on? This is the Prophet saying this. Okay? So that's where the hadith ends, the statement of the Prophet. And then Abu Huraira then said, Fantahannas anil qara'a ma'a Rasulullah fima. And so the people then stopped reciting with the Prophet ﷺ in those prayers in which the Prophet ﷺ used to pray out loud. And uh, this hadith, وَقَرَأُوا فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ سِرًّا فِيمَا لَا يَجْهَرْ فِيهِ الْإِمَامِ And so look, look, he continues. He goes, and what they would do is that in the prayers in which the Imam could not be heard, in the silent prayers, they would recite in those prayers quietly. So in the, like the Dhuhr Asr uh, prayer, the, they can't hear the Imam, but they would carry on reciting. So this hadith, okay, as I said before, it's narrated by Imam Malik, it's narrated by Abu Dawood, hadith number 826, it's narrated by Imam Tirmidhi 312, and it's Hassan. And Shaykh al-Bani used to consider this hadith to be uh, Sahih. And uh, as I said, the Shafi'is and Hanbalis got a big problem with this hadith. They've got to do something. And what did I say to you last week? The first line of attack is, attack the hadith. Right, the authenticity of it. In actual fact, they found that very, very easy, because they said that the statement of the Prophet ﷺ is clear. But what you're relying on is the statement afterwards that the companions then stopped doing that, and that's not the statement of Abu Huraira. They said that's the statement of uh, the uh, narrator of the Hadith Imam Zuhri, Ibn Shahab Zuhri, the Imam of Medina. That's of course why it's the Maliki position as well, right? That's why yani, it's so strong in the Maliki school. Um, Imam Tirmidhi, Imam Abu Dawood, Imam Bayhaqi, Imam Ibn Abdul Bar, Imam Ibn Hajar, all of these major muhaddithin, they all said that this is the statement, this is the statement of, uh, 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 of Imam Zuhri, and not the statement of Abu Huraira. So, in actual fact, that's a. Uh, uh, so, what you can see now is that we've got down to the nitty gritty where we're discussing. We're going we're gonna to make a decision on whether you recite it or don't recite it based upon what we think, whether hadith is authentic or not, whether it's the abrogator or not. Yani what I'm trying to get to you folks is that this is genuinely an area of difference, of opinion and valid. And we've got to be very careful to not be too strict and harsh upon those who insist on reciting it and especially those who don't re uh, 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 recite. And to be honest, nowadays Muslims are far more stricter on those who don't recite. There's no doubt. Hanafi's always been getting battered yani, and abused all, 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 all their lives. yeah, But... Um, we need to just give them some space. This is not as clear-cut as, as, as you might have um, thought. What about from the companions then? What about from the... Uh, uh, the uh, uh, and uh, also from the evidences that you should not recite, okay, in the loud prayers. Um, the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّمَا جُعْلِ الْإِمَامُ أَنْ يُتَمَّ بِهِ فَإِذَا كَبَّرَ فَكَبِّرُوا وَإِذَا قَرَأَ فَأَنْصِتُوا the Prophet ﷺ said that the Imam has been placed to be followed or has been positioned there to be followed, followed. So when he says takbir, then you say takbir Allahu Akbar. And when he recites, then you stay quiet. This hadith is narrated by Ibn Abi Shayba and it's narrated by Abu Dawood and narrated by Imam Muslim. 
So it's a super authentic hadith. You might say end of matter. No, the Hanbali Shafi'is will turn around and say this is referring to the Quran in the prayer. It doesn't refer to the Fatiha. Fatiha has to be recited because the other hadith says there is no prayer without the Fatiha. So you can see that this is going to go around in a circle. You're going to have to make a call on it and then you know uh, uh, judge on that on that basis. Where am I on this? Okay. Um, I want to share with you some of the statements of the companions. Okay, so I've already told you those that did not believe that that, that insisted on reciting, insisted on reciting uh, the Fatiha at the same time behind the Imam. Okay, now but how about the other way around? Abu Hurairah radiAllahu anhu, he was uh, um, someone who, you know, if that it, the Hadith that we just mentioned. If he's the one who just said that, then he's one of the key, key, key pro, uh, proponents of not reciting out loud in the uh, prayer. Uh, Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu an, he said the Prophet sallallahu taught us when you stand up for prayer, one of you should lead the rest and when the Imam recites, then you remain silent. This hadith narrated by Imam Muslim 404. You'll know how they will turn that. They will say, well, that's not yani, the, the same. Uh, Jabir Abdullah. Uh, he said the Prophet وسلم, said the one who prays behind an Imam, the recitation of the Imam is sufficient for him. That hadith we mentioned before. And I said to you before that a number of scholars consider this to be weak and we consider it to be uh, authentic. A number of the scholars consider it to be authentic, um, especially the Hanafis, to be honest. This is going to be something which is very strong uh, for them. So, who, um, uh, what else can I say? So, um, the big holders of this opinion Umar ibn Khattab an, Abdullah ibn Umar, his son an, Ubay ibn Ka'ab an, Imam Malik an, Ibn Taymiyyah Sheikh al-Bani from the modern time So if you're going to go on numbers basis right, It's the minority If you're going to go on personalities Then you know Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal and Imam Shafi'i Are major major people And the evidence is, is either way I have to say to you that from my own position, I don't know whether I want to make this the class position, okay? I've always been uncomfortable with the position of reciting out loud behind the Imam. Always been uncomfortable. I've always preferred Ibn Taymiyyah's position and his understanding of this hadith. I don't believe that the Prophet ﷺ ever left a gap intentionally for that Fatiha to be recited. If it was so important, the, the, the importance of tadabbur and thinking about what's being recited is so important in the prayer. Why would you obligate upon a person to recite and then force them to recite at the same time that you're reciting? For me, it doesn't sit well. I see all of the evidences can be interpreted in this light towards that angle. I can also very clearly see the evidences being, being, uh, being interpreted in the Shafi's Hanbali way. I would say that the safe position is to go in the Hanbali school and the Shafi'i school. That's the safest position. No doubt that they've got better, stronger evidences. But the one that sits better with my heart, the one that I feel is more correct, the one that I feel more comfortable with is the prayer when one has to recite in the silent prayer and does not recite out loud in the prayer when the Imam is reciting. And Allah knows best. You know, I said last week that some of them, you know, some people are asking yesterday, they were saying that uh, when the Imam leaves the gap between the Fatiha and the Surah, that's when you should recite it. Let me say that if the Imam is doing that, he's creating that gap himself because the Prophet never left the gap. You know, Dalin, Amin, and then waiting 10 seconds before he recites the surah. That gap is just to select the surah, right? It's not a gap to recite Fatiha. And 
Likewise, I said to you that it was a sunnah of the Prophet to recite the Fatiha verse by verse, and so therefore people might be reciting it in between. This is not even like a recitation, it's like a kind of you know, it's not, it's not, you know. So I'm not comfortable with that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. I think the Hanafis are onto something. I think that, that, that I think that their position that the Imam recites for them is enough. I think that can come into play. I think the fact that you hear the Imam and you follow that recitation very carefully, I think that comes into play. I think that the final hadith of the Prophet where he didn't mention the fact that had to be recited, I think that has to come into play. I think the hadith of the one who made the error in the prayer and he did, was not told to recite when the, the Imam was reciting, but he was told to be silent in the prayer. I think that's a very strong one. And I think that the... Uh, hadith that talk about don't recite anything except the fatiha of the kitab is to be interpreted in the light there. But is it easy? No. Is it easy to ignore this hadith and try to explain it away? It's not. It, it's blatantly not. Why don't you approach it from an angle of what makes the salah the most superior for the one who's praying it? And if you look at that, then... So that's a really good point, Shaz, actually, because the Hanafi school, you can imagine, I've spoken about this before, it's a madness, actually, because in the Hanafi school, Right, all the Pak world, all the non-Arab world who don't understand a single word of Arabic anyway, so they're always there and struggling in the prayer anyway. They're meant to pray all of these obligatory prayers behind the Imam, and they're very good and strong in their congregations, you know, culturally. And they go there and they don't say a single word. So not only do they hear anything from the Imam, they don't say anything either, which is a huge leap of faith to stand there and just not say anything, right? But it's also about concentration. So, so that's why in the Hanafi school. A number of the Hanafi Imams, I mean classical, said that we would allow a person to recite in the silent prayer just to keep their concentration. They kind of gave a concession. They said, how are we going to stop this? How are we going to, you know, they said, please try to concentrate. But if you can't concentrate, then you can recite as well. So in actual fact, if we, as you said, talking about going for the safe side or what's better for the person is definitely going to be the other way. It's going to be more towards... No, I mean, I, I, I mean, it's going to go towards the recitation of right, it, recitation. as opposed to the non-recitation. Yeah, but even in the loud prayers, from a recitation point of view, it's a disaster for the person. I agree, I agree. So let's look at the other way now. Let's say someone's insisting upon it, but this is all logic, and obviously the, the point cannot be proven by logic. But if we're just going to put our position across and support the position of those that, that argue that, then how you enjoy the Fatiha and Tadabbur and then rush through your Fatiha, you know, when the Fatiha has recited, we have seen the hadith about it. There's a conversation between you and Allah. It's a it's a real thing, yani, and you're just, yani, you know. The last position is loud prayers, you listen. Silent prayers, you recite. I think that this is the sunnah. I think that this is the, the correct position. But I do believe that that this is one of the difficult issues. Istikhara kind of issues. Very, very, very valid. And I'm open, openly saying that I think that the Shafi in a humbly position deals with the evidences, the hadith, in a more wholesome way, they, or a safer way. But I, 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 I'm with Ibn Taymiyyah on this. I'm with Malik on this. You have to recite out loud in the quiet prayers, and when the imam is reciting out loud, then you are silent and listen. Either way, that's the class position. Yes. Yes. The prayer itself, the Fatiha, Class position of being rukun is an, uh, is an obvious one, in and in, in every single prayer, the debate here is whether the imam's recitation is enough for you or not. But it's pre- uh, l- l- Let me let me take a bit further. Actually, let me remind you what we did in some early uh, sessions. That 
remember that an imam can miss out something fundamental. Oh, sorry, sorry, I beg your pardon. You can miss out something fundamental and you're covered by the imam. So even if you didn't recite the Fatiha behind the imam, whether you forgot or you didn't say it or you didn't believe it, if the imam has recited it for you, then your prayer is valid anyway. Okay? But these scholars would consider that the prayer is... Um, that, 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 you know, uh, actually the Hanbalis, they, 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 there is a discussion amongst the madhab that if a person didn't recite behind the imam, okay, it's not just haram. The prayer is invalid. Okay, taking from the same position of the uh, person praying by themselves. Okay, so they did extend it. But yeah, it's difficult to say that because the imam swallows up so much mistakes and forgetfulness and, and issues. So let's finish off this then. Can uh, just cover the point on the, just to finish it off with this? I know you've covered it before, but the Fatiha when you were late and reciting them. Yeah, so, so, so I'm going to come to that, actually. You know what it is? I'm just going to just read out, just because I want to finish Fatiha, because we've spent so, many, so, much, so much time on uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah, and you know some of the some of the scholars actually said, what is the actual point of yani, the recitation of the imam if it's not taken off the musalli? Why, why are we making him recite out loud anyway? Why are we making him recite out loud anyway? Right? Huh? Yeah, keep some people awake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, and he even said, they said, you know, it's Abbot, yani, it's messing about. Um, but anyway, a Sheikh says, um, yeah, an actual fact, you know what Sheikh says in response to that? And Hanbalis and Shafi'is, what did they say back to this argument? They said that you're making a qiyas, you're a nas, yani opposing a direct text and ha nothing opposes a direct text neither your logic neither your thinking whatever whatnot that's why it's difficult to argue with the Hanabila and the Shafi'is in this issue Sheikh then to finish this point, a section Sheikh says a mas'ala if we said that you must recite Fatiha then is it obligatory on every single raka'ah or is it possible just to accept to, to uh, re recite it at least once in the prayer okay so the scholars differed on this as well some of them said that it has to be uh, 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 so one raka uh, said once in a raka'ah of the prayer is sufficient because uh, the, the Prophet ﷺ said La salata liman lam There's no prayer for the one who does not recite Fatiha He didn't say La raka'ah yeah? So that's something which is sufficient But Shaykh says that but the actual correct position is that it must be recited in every single uh, prayer Every single unit. Why? Because the hadith of the one who erred in the prayer, the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Do that in every single prayer of yours, every single aspect of the prayer. And um, and the second evidence is that a practice of the Prophet ﷺ, he used to recite it in every raka'ah. So what evidence are you using to get out of that? So he goes, the strongest opinion, in my opinion, uh, Sheikh says, is that the, the recitation of the Fatiha is an absolute pillar in every single prayer upon every single person who prays, whether praying alone, praying Imam, or praying behind an Imam. And there is no exceptions for this whatsoever, except the two that we can discuss now. What are those two exceptions? Number one, a person who arrives to the masjid late and he's masbuk. That's what's called the person who comes late. 
Now, uh, a masbuk is the one who arrives and the imam is in ruku'ah. That's the first scenario. If the imam is in ruku'ah, let me just bring up my... Um, let me bring up my thingy. If the imam is in ruku'ah, yeah, then... We said last week that the Prophet ﷺ said, Man adrak, man adrak raka'ah. Whoever catches the ruku' then they caught the raka'ah. So this text makes it very clear that this is an exception to the general rule. So you come in, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, and you go into ruku'. And as long as you're able to get into the bending position before the Imam stands up, even if you don't say Subhan Rabbi al but as long as you get into that bending position of ruku', then you have caught that raka'ah and that's the job done. The second exception, yeah. Subhanahu Rabbi al will come to that yani, later about what, 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 whether it counts or not or whatever. Technically speaking, okay, if a person is in the position of ruku' and hasn't said Subhanahu Rabbi al he missed out on obligation not to ruku'. See, Subhanahu Rabbi al is a obligation of the ruku', not a ruku' of the ruku'. The only ruku' of the ruku' is to be in ruku'. So, if a person just gets there, even before they're able to say Subhanahu Rabbil Azim, he has caught the prayer, he does not need to make that raka'ah up. The second exception is the one who gets there uh, late, but the Imam hasn't gone to Raku' yet. So you join, you know that it's been going on for a minute or two, but you don't know how far. So you start, and you start, suddenly he goes for Raku'ah. And you've only, got, you've only said Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Okay? Or like in Taraweeh prayers. You know, you've got uh, Ferrari Imam, you're praying behind him, and by the time you're getting up, He's literally yani, got Amr al-Amin and Amin, and you've not even yani, got anywhere and bam, he goes down. So you are meant to follow the Imam in whatever position he is, even if you don't recite Fatiha. So these are the two exceptions only to the rule and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Right. Yes, Mesa, we, don't, we remember that person yani, very fondly. Right. Uh, Zaid says, can we, let's do questions now folks and we'll then close up. Can we be silent when praying behind an imam, praying Maghrib, but still recite by moving our tongues, reciting Fatiha? Um, now, uh, the Hanabila and the Shafi'is are basically saying that. They're not scripting for you exactly how you got to say it. Uh, you didn't even have your drink. That's going to all melt. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. okay. So, no, no, I, By the way, on the bulk, on on, on the bulk, bulk buying is different. Bulk buying as per normal, as per normal, and hoarding is something different. Anyway, um, so I, I'm gonna uh, one second, yeah. So you, Zaid, you can do that, okay? You can, do you want to make any more noise? Flip her neck, man. So the um, uh, uh, you can kind of do it silently and mouth after the imam, and the humblies would have no basis for yani, rejecting that. They can't basically say that that's not, you know, that's not yani, the, the the system. That's that's what it is, okay? Um, but I, I uh, you know, it's a safer position than getting disturbed, isn't it, I guess? Yeah? It's a safer position than getting disturbed. Right. Uh, I thought the Imam does not cover you if you miss a rukan. That is the position of some scholars, and we will come to that in the Jama'ah section. Please clarify out loud before we get cacophonies in the masajid. Out loud, 
Uh, I'm not too sure, Solange. I, so far, when I've been saying out loud, I'm referring to people who are leading the, the, the prayer. What do you mean else about out loud? In the silent prayer, Hassan says, I can understand the praying of Fatiha, but when it comes to the second surah, you may not ever finish and the Imam will go down, you may never have finished. Oh, absolutely. Remember, Hassan, that the recitation of a surah in any prayer is not obligatory. So whatever you start is good, and if you don't, you know, you don't even know what he's reciting. He might be reciting Baqarah and he might be reciting Qul Huwallahu Ahad. You just yani, go and you recite what you recite. Yeah? Um, Sumera says, So the Maliki says it was a statement of Abu Huraira. An, based on what evidence? The evidence, uh, Sumaira, is that Abu Huraira is the one who's narrating it. Actually, when you look at the hadith, it is there's no mention, there's no clarity on who's speaking. It's sub-commentary. It's sub-commentary to the hadith. Now, when you're re- reporting this later, the only, in hadith sciences, the way that you distinguish who was it that said that is to try to find another version of the hadith that doesn't contain Abu Huraira. And if that statement is there, then, it, then it's a big clue that that statement now belongs to actually the narrator who is there in both versions of the narration. And this hadith does exist outside of Abu Huraira. And the Shafi'is, Sumaira says, and Hanabila said, it was actually a statement based on Imam Zuhri, based on what evidence? On what I just said. On what I just said. And this is, a, uh, this is from the detailed sciences of hadith. The muhaddithin, that's all they do. This is known as the, uh, the, the, the science of al-ilal. Yani looking at the way that different narrators met with different people and you can identify this. This is Mustalah al-Hadith, what you're asking about. Hamza said, How do those who follow the opinion that the Fatih has to be recited by the Ma'mum in all prayers say Ameen after the Imam? How do those who follow the opinion... Oh, so well, there's no problem. The Shafi's Hanbalis will say, you say Ameen after the, the Fatiha of the Imam. Uh, because the the Ameen yeah, you're trying to achieve, as the Hadith says, is that Hadith is the Ameen that that corresponds with the Ameen of the Imam and the Malaika, right? So, just because it interrupts yours, it doesn't actually change anything. That's what they will say. Okay. Um, it will be a about. We need a video on rumors and non-verified messages. Yeah, come on. There's how many reminders I need at the moment? Like. Like a thousand reminders on so many different things. Honest to God, if I if I didn't if I didn't know that everybody's suffering from corona fatigue right now, I'd give lecture after lecture on it. But I know people are fed up now. That's it. To what extent does out loud mean? That's the second person who asked that. Adil is asking. Just the tongue has to move even when the imam is. Res- oh right, sorry, sorry. Now I get it, Solange and Adil. They're saying that when uh, when we're talking about have to recite out loud. Oh, have I been saying that? Sorry, folks, listen, when I'm saying that the, the, the one who's praying behind the imam has to recite, I don't mean recite, I mean recite, not recite out loud. Sorry, 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 that's a slip of the tongue. They're all saying that, what do you mean out loud, out loud? Now I've just clocked on what they mean. You don't recite out loud, you don't recite out loud, it just means you recite. Okay, so same conditions of recitation, which is that it's, uh, 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 enough, it's enough for you that you know that you are saying it. Right? It shouldn't be heard by the guy next to you. It shouldn't be audible whispering. It's just loud enough or actual, actual enough that you know you're reciting it. You don't recite out loud in any prayer at any moment behind the imam. The only thing you say out loud is ameen. You don't say it. You know, you see in some Arab mosques, everyone goes, Allahu Akbar. Or they all say, Assalamu Alaikum wa rahmatullah. 
There is no basis for anyone to say anything out loud in any prayer when you're praying behind an imam, Maghrib, Isha, Fajr, even if the imam is reciting out loud. The only thing you say loud is going to be Ameen. So when I've been talking about you recite Fatiha out loud, I just I mean you recite Fatiha in the loud prayer. That's what I mean. Yeah. Actually, actually reciting out loud. I don't think he was reciting out loud, but just enough to disturb. You know, whispering, that kind of thing. Irfan is saying, does the no Jum'ah ruling apply to us teachers in school as well? It's a mass gathering, but we are there in school anyway, and there would be a big turnout of learners to pray, even if it was just Dhuhr, school have cancelled assemblies. So, I did, well, obviously that's not relevant because the, the schools have now lost their, uh, no one's going to school now anyway. Um, look, there are some scholars that allowed the, the Jum'ah, and I myself... I don't think a Jum'ah should be prayed outside of a masjid and the local community. I know that means what about the unis, what about the schools, what about the prisons? And this is a big detailed discussion in the books of fiqh, by the way. And what I would say is that there's no doubt, logically speaking, that there's a lot of benefit to be gained for the people because they might not go anywhere. If people who are working never go to a masjid or a union never go to the masjid, uh, what are we going to do? So I accept that logic and I accept that there's a need. And I would get, say then there are some lenient opinions out there that do allow the Jum'ah. And scholars have said allowed that, that it can be established. So I think that you can take by that opinion. It's not a major one. And I, because we, I want to say not a major one, I mean it's a valid ishtihad. And scholars have given the permissibility of it. But I have to say that I don't find it acceptable. I think that a person should pray dhuhr. But I am very cognizant that you're missing out a great opportunity, especially in a Muslim country, where you know sometimes very non-practicing kids are in that scenario where if they see that, at least it gives them that, you know, that little bit. Is it recommended to recite the Qunut al-Nazila? Yes, not to recommend it. It's a sunnah to recite the Qunut al-Nazila. The Prophet used to do that in all kinds of problems, and waba, plague, is definitely one of them. Can you please verbalize the fact that we cannot follow an imam virtually? Correct. Yeah, so there are people who are thinking that, you know, if we set up a radio with the masjid, we can pray behind the radio, we can pray behind the speaker, and so on and so forth. This is not acceptable. Uh, some people might be confused about what they might have read from Sheikh Dedo, Hafizahullah. Uh, he said that you know it's also possible for you to recite without seeing the Imam and just go by the voice. This does not mean at home. What he's referring to, because like myself, uh, I, I do not believe that the Jum'ah or the Masajid should be closed in its entirety. I think that one or two people should establish the bare minimums to keep the Masjid going. And... Um, even you know and this is not illegal it doesn't break any rules it's not something whatever blah 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 and there's a lot of scaremongering out there as well um, but I also accept the validity of the fatwa to close masajid for public safety uh, you know uh, it's a reluctant one but you know I, I'm much bigger fan of one or two people going there and practicing safety so standing very separate to the extent and as Dado said that a person can stand like literally in outside or the, or the room so there's like almost a continuity of the same congregation. They're there, but they're not actually next to the person. They're actually following the sound like a blind man would, as opposed to being part of it. And this is because of the situation. There are so many things that can be exhausted. And like I said, unfortunately, the Muslim community didn't go to it. So for, for example, three, four, five, ten people, 15 people over four, five different Jumaas. But, you know, there's a lot of... Anyway, I don't want to get involved in it because people are way too... Way, uh, uh, They did it into can you all this Jumu'ah and everything. Yeah, yeah we, we, did, we did about the, the prayers and the, the, the What if there are two sons and a mother? What are you talking about? Aisha, man, we 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 would we're doing Aisha like that for a man. Come on. Well, 
Walaikum Aisha. What if there are two sons and a mother? Do the boys stand in the same line as the mum and does the mum stand right behind the boys? Correct. What happens? The imam will be at the front, the two boys will be like that, and the mother behind them directly. Dayan dan dat. Dan dat dan dat. Okay. For UK, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Okay, got to go to the top. Thoughts on Surah Ali Imran as it relates to what we are going through. So many thoughts. I did a whole class on it, Ayaz. Okay, a whole class. Fitna. Uh, any adhkar? Uh, uh, any adhkar you recommend? Uh, of course, uh, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, in which he said, "Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-baras wa wa al-judam wa wa sail asqam." That's a yani, uh, specific hadith for for uh, plague and um, uh, for this kind of virus situation. And uh, of course the hadith the dua of protection uh, where the Prophet said Bismillahi three times morning, three times in the evening. These are the ones that are main ones that should be recited. The brothers who run McDougal Center at Man Uni won't be too happy to hear that one. Yeah, that's true. But uh, there's enough scholars that allow it and support the it so you can you can follow their opinion. I think that's okay. I heard that it is a rukun for the jama'ah for it to be the same place. What is the evidence for this? Because it needs to be continuity. A jama'ah means a congregation. So what does it mean to come together? Yep, that's the reason. Um, thingy, uh, 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 what is that? Uh, whatever. Uh, the Malikis didn't miss anything. <laughs> Sumaira, okay? These are all interpretations of available evidence. Opinions, Yani, are very, very well established. Um, not all teachers would have time off school. Thank you for that, Fahad. You're right. If we pray in a masjid now, if it's open, would it be wrong to place a napkin? Not at all. In actual fact, this is what we've been recommended. Take your own prayer mats. Take your own, uh, 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 you know, sajada and everything else. What if you knowingly make mistakes in recitation through forgetfulness or mispronunciation? Is a salah still valid? Knowingly. If you are knowingly mispronouncing these uh, uh, verses, that's unacceptable. That's you're not fulfilling the rukan. But if you are just not pronouncing it nicely or reciting very nicely, then that's valid. If you're praying, it's not nice, but it's valid. Prayer is valid. All right. Um, if you're praying one of the loud prayers on your own and wish to pray them aloud, is there any particular intention you need to make first? Do you need to recite the iqama before praying in that case or just say Allahu Akbar and go? Uh, yes, the person praying alone should, should recite the iqama. The one who's praying alone should recite the iqama. Okay. And praying out loud by yourself, you can do it a little bit loud. Some scholars said there's no basis for that. Only it's said aloud if you are leading a congregation. But a person can recite a little bit louder if it helps them yani, concentrate more on the loud prayers. I think that's okay. Oh, uh, there is no other intention. Also, if that's done for the sake of solidifying memory of a surah as well as just praying, is that a valid intention? Yes, it is. You, these are additional supplementary attentions, intentions on top of I am praying now. Okay. I thought that the whole discussion was whether the Ma'am should recite out loud. I'm very sorry, Sulaiman. That is entirely my fault. Javed says, do you have to finish the ayah you are reading and then go into Ruku or do you just go? You just go. You just go. Stop. Bam. Right there. If you are confident you're able to quickly finish it, fine. But otherwise you can't take a risk. Ajmal Yara, you let us down, man. Alhamdulillah, at least we're not going to get fat now for the rest of this year. Ajmal Yara. He's, he's, he's a sweet. Uh, no, 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 no. No, no, don't knock the door and go. No, no, I mean, they get, they get, the little one's deviled, yeah, and she's like, why about the sweets? In fact, don't, because I'm going to have to drink some. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, some massages, yep, Hamza, you know my position on that. 
I, I'm not down for that at all. Uh, but you know, uh, I think that I think that one or two people should continue. Following an Imam in a silent prayer, Aisha asks, and Imam moves into ruku before you finish your Fatiha. Same as the Tarawih scenario, move as the Imam moves. Absolutely, absolutely. That's more obligatory. In fact, that's an obligatory prayer. Ijlal Yani giving salams. I don't know. I don't think Chief Yani comes on to. I don't think Chief's ever been online in his life. He's giving salam to the Chief. Um, Naeem is saying that I think the Hanbali position is similar as Hanafi as found in. Yeah, yeah. So Naeem is talking about the Hanbali position. Uh, uh, now, what I want to say is that you know there's a lot of controversy over what is the actual Mu'atamad and the Muftabihi and what's the position that is absolutely the... the, There's no doubt that there is a famous statement from Imam Ahmed that the... or strong position from Imam Ahmed that you don't need to recite. Okay? Um, And it's sufficient, exactly as Naeem says about the Hanafi school. But it's not the one which is popular popular, um, and and, and in popular discourse the other humbly uh, position is more promoted. Um, last question, then right at the top. Ah. Huh? Last question, right at the top. Yeah. Right. Where are we going? Right at the top. Last question. We finish with that. Sheikh. Rah. <laughs> so, what happened is that, to be honest, yeah, it was getting long. It, it was like silly long, actually. Now look, yeah, the Sunnah, according to Ibn Umar, is a fist length. You're watching Dr. Abid, yeah? Okay? Yeah. According to uh, Abdullah ibn Umar, okay, it's a fist length. So this is longer than a fist length. Now, you know, I cut it today. It was two fist lengths, it was. It was literally down here. It's a madness. And I thought to myself, why can't I make it short as Shazad's, basically, which is hardly a beard? Then I thought, I can't, can't go to that level. Come on, man up now. Come on, Zafar, send him. All right, everybody. We need a judgment now on the length of beards. Position of bring your bring your cheek. No, don't let your hand is there, Tinku hand. Your hand, your hand, and my hand. My fistful, isn't it? It's not your fistful. We're talking about we're talking about length of beard. No, according to my fistful. Longer, yeah. That's it. Yara, give me a few days, Yara. I only did it today, man. <laughs> only did it today. Right. Uh, Sadaf says it must for the chosen Imam to be the one who knows the most Quran by heart. Not by heart, but the one who recites it best, uh, understands it best, explains it best. And does the rule of not attending Jum'ah consecutively apply if we're to stay at home for weeks on weeks? No, because the scholars have given fatwa and that's a concession. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. And Suleiman killed the show, and Rayhan is, oh, come on, Sheikh, what do you want, Rayhan? Tell me, you, you're not happy with the length of the beard? This beard will come back yani, in days. But like I said, it's just too much, man. It's too much. Mm. No? I don't know, man. I think the main reason you want my theory behind it? What? I think when you're going for the glass, I think the beard was going in the dichrome. No. Oh, right. No, 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 no. Although I'm, I'm going to enjoy not having to... You know, have the beard all over the place, bro. It was well long, yara. It was, no, no, it was, I was noticing every week. I think it's, no, uh, come on, man. And it's not like you volunteered or anything. I just, you know, and you don't take that. To the bar- barbers are gone now, yani completely. Mm-hmm. Barbers are gone, and uh, what are you gonna do? So I said, all right. So I, you know, I, I didn't even do a machine. I did a little Genji. I went, ksh, 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 like that. Yeah, yeah, nice. 
did some proper jama today. Yeah? Right. And that's exactly what self-isolating uh, uh, does to you. That's the only reason, bro. I'm not like I'm traveling. I'm not trying to get into America. I'm not trying to get a visa. I'm not trying to get into anyone's good books. I don't have any meeting with the government. I can't give you any good reason, Rehan, other than it was too long. All visa cancelled. That's it. That's it. Ibrahim is basically saying, look, that's true. It's still not yeah, it's short, short enough for the thing. Right, next week, folks, is uh, for first timers. Folks, first timers, when you go to lessons, resources, you'll see a huge amount of information. You'll see an audio go up. You'll see the podcast go up. And go to the dashboard and you'll see the list of times as well for the next few lessons. Next week is actually going to be uh, for uh, 8.30. Same same time, same place. Okay, folks? Zakmul Akhir, Subhanakallahumma bihamdika, Shadwa Allah, Ilahi Allah, Antu Astaghfiruka Allahumma wa Atubu Ilaik. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.